Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Wisp Sports Radio. The voice of women in sport. Hello and thanks for downloading Beyond the Balls. You're listening to our ninth episode. Beyond the Balls is a co-production between Women's Sport Australia and Wisp Sports. We're your hosts, Ella Smith and Georgina Mallon, here to discuss all the topics on women's sport off the pitch. Today we welcome Rachel Lynch to the show. Rachel's been playing goalkeeper for the Hockey Roos since her debut in 2006. She's a dual Commonwealth Games gold medalist, World Cup silver medalist, a five times Oceania Cup medalist and competed at the 2016 Rio Olympics. Last year she became the most capped goalkeeper to ever play for the Hockey Roos, having played 223 games for Australia. She's been nominated for the International Hockey Federation's Goalkeeper of the Year three times since 2014 and last year won the award. Rachel also works as a registered nurse. She runs her own coaching business, Stomp Goalkeeping, and has been an active ambassador for IUOK for many years. In between all of this, Rachel has somehow made the time to speak with us. Rachel, welcome to the show. Hey girls, thanks for having me. Thanks for, thanks for coming on. Rachel, you've had quite an interesting start to hockey. Um, on your website, it says you took up hockey after being selected in the primary school's state team. Can you tell us a bit about your start in hockey? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, as a kid, I was very much into sport. Um, had an older brother and we just played any sport we could in the backyard and same thing at school. Um, I had a a sports teacher at school who encouraged me to sort of try any sport. So in grade six, I tried out for the state team in uh, four different sports, I think, um, rugby, basketball, soccer and hockey. Um, and I'd never played hockey before, but the school had some equipment. So I went to the trial and, and tried out as a goalkeeper and a field player. Um, and they picked me as a goalie. And there was a one of the dads was there, um, obviously watching his daughter trial and he went up to mum and spoke to her and um, yeah, mum obviously said I didn't play for a club or anything. So um, yeah, joined up that club and I've been with them ever since. Yeah. So Rach, being a goalkeeper is quite a unique position on the hockey field, especially when it involves a, a completely different skill set to other players on the field. Why did you decide to, to pursue goalkeeping? Uh, I, I think, I mean, originally being selected in the team as a goalie, I guess the decision was out of my hands a little bit. Um, which I reflect on often that 
had they picked the other way, uh, I, I don't know if I'd be <laughs> here or where I am today. Um, yeah, I guess I, I love how unique the position is because, yeah, as a kid that played lots of sports, I guess it requires a skill set um, <clears throat> that worked really well for me because I had sort of, you know, pretty good all-round coordination. I was reasonably brave and willing to throw myself around. I played like softball and baseball, so I had a bit of a, I guess, sliding experience there. And, um, yeah, my, my hand-eye was reasonable and it, yeah, it just seemed to suit me. I, I think like general athleticism works for a goalie and um, I'm certainly not an aerobic beast. As I said, I, I don't know if I would have made it had I been picked as a field player and more than content with their decision because certainly when I'm standing on the pitch watching the girls do their 100-metre sprints, I'm more than happy to be a goalie. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. You had your debut match for the Hockey Roos in 2006 against England. What was that moment mm -hmm. like? Oh, it, um, <laughs> it was pretty cool. I mean, uh, the whole thing was a bit of a whirlwind. I wasn't in the in the squad or anything when I got when I got selected. It was a it was through through an injury. The um the sec <clears throat> excuse me the other goalie for Australia dislocated her shoulder in a training accident. So I had two weeks' notice to get over to Europe for the debut. And um, yeah, gosh, it was it was crazy. I, I remember the the first game. Um, I walked into the change room and and I obviously had my headphones in and my music was quite loud and. One of the girls had a crack at me and told me to turn my music down. And that was through my headphones. So, um, yeah, that made me a little bit scared. There was a few intimidating girls in the team. Uh, and then, yeah, when we looked back on the data, we have, have to wear a heart rate monitor for the games. And I think my heart rate actually maxed out in the anthem before the game even started. That's just classic um right you had an interesting career in the sense that you've had like quite highs and lows within relatively short spaces you were part of the team that won the 2010 commonwealth games but then you didn't make the squad that went to the 2012 olympics then you're back winning gold at the 2014 commonwealth games and have you know more or less cemented your <clears throat> space in the in the team now Missing out on the Olympics must have been obviously a really tough pill to swallow, especially when you are competing for a single goalkeeping position. What did you learn from this time? Yeah, I mean, my career has probably been similar to many athletes in that there are so many ups and downs and, um, you know, we, we, we throw that saying around a little bit, but, but it's true. Like there's not a, there's not a smooth ride for many and um, those that do get one are, are sort of a very rare few and, um, the Olympics is, was just something that I guess escaped me for, for many years. It, it took me 10 years to get there and um, it was really challenging. And uh, I guess when I look back on it, uh, I certainly don't have any regrets. You know, the 2008 Olympics, I was the youngest of three and, and didn't really expect to get picked. Um, but 2012 was really, really tough. Um, I'd had a couple of years as the number one goalie, as you mentioned, and some real success there. So I guess probably subconsciously I thought it would just happen and um, in those years put so much pressure on myself to to perform and um, yeah it didn't happen and, and it's the position where if you do that you know you tense up and every single mistake can lead to a goal can lead to another mistake and then you know you're on the pitch you get plenty of time to reflect and then I'm thinking gosh what's this mean I'm not going to get picked for the next game which means the tournament which means the Olympics so pretty horrible year 2012 but um, there was a lot to take out of it when I got to 2016 I knew I had to do things um, quite different so I changed two key things one of those was 
in the Olympic year, we're not allowed to work or study where we have to be full-time athletes and basically on call. So we'd done that in 08 and in 2012, but the rest of the time I work and do a lot of other things. And, and that, um, I guess, is a preference for me and my personality. And so in 2016, I basically begged my coach to let me work in that year. Um, and he did, it was only one day a week, but I think having that perspective of my nursing and that one day a week where I could go and get a better view on the world and think about other people, um, not myself and not my hockey, um, that made a huge difference for me. And, um, that combined with, uh, some work I did with, I guess, a bit of a mental coach around, um, my own, my own mental state and my confidence and, um, a few things like that made, made a big difference. And I think that was the reason that I went in, I went to Rio. Yeah. So last year you became the most capped goalkeeper with 223 games for the hockey ruse, which is an incredible achievement. I can imagine <laughs> there would be, <laughs> I can imagine there'll be a lot of pressure to constantly perform and be selected for games, especially when there are only two spots for up for grabs in comparison to your other teammates who must compete for like 14 to 16 yeah, it's, places. It's how, the life of a goal. Oh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, how do you handle this pressure? Uh, it's, it's really hard. I, um, you know, I, ha I have sort of moments to myself sometimes where I, where I kind of wonder, you know, even early this year, um, most capped goalie, as you mentioned, which, you know, obviously something I'm really proud of, but that sort of means nothing to our coaches and selectors. And then, I got my um, International Goalie of the Year award, but I still couldn't get a full game for Australia. So, um, and that was quite recent. And it's, it's something that I've had many years of battling with and feeling frustrated. I know for me personally, exactly what it takes for me to play my best hockey and that's to play. Um, and, I, and I've shared that with coaches along the way. If you want me to improve, you know, I feel like I'm at a really high level, but if you want me to be, take the next step, you've got to give me more than one game in a row. And it's sort of just been the tradition of Australian keepers. And granted, we have excellent, excellent keepers, men and women. Um, and we have done for many years. We're very spoiled as a nation to have that. And, you know, our second, third keepers can play and do a great job at an international level. And not many countries have that. So, yeah, that's hard. It puts pressure on all of us, which is fantastic. But it does mean that, um, you know, still 14 years into my career, I'm spending... 50% of the time on the bench and, and it's really hard. I, um, um, you know, I just wish I could get a good run. And when I look back on my career, sometimes I think, gosh, you know, I know, I know I'd be at um, closer to 400, 450 games for Australia based on the amount of times I've sat on the bench. And yeah, that's, it's pretty hard to take, but oh, that's definitely. Probably, it's Do you probably, prefer to have the um, first half or the second half? Uh, first you half, do, you have, you to have to go straight off a warm up, So that helps. Yeah, um, definitely. My, my preference is both halves. <laughs> oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> 100%. So yeah. you, were your, um, you went to your first Olympic Games in Rio in 2016 and you guys, the Hockey Roos, placed six. I think the Kookaburras also placed six. Um, what yep. was that experience like? Uh, coming six was pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> we... Um, uh, you know, we had a, had a ball over the Olympics. There was, um, you know, so many wonderful memories from that. As I said, it took me 10 years to get there. So it was a pretty, um, an epic ride. And when I got there, it was, it was pretty cool. I, I guess being an older athlete by that point, I felt like I handled the, the Olympics um, better and was, was happy with how I performed. But, uh, you know, you only go to the Olympics for one thing, certainly in a team sport, and that was a gold medal. 
So to come six was really, really tough and, and devastating. But also because, um, yeah, a couple of things. It meant we finished a week early, which was like, well, what do we do now? No one prepared to um, spend the last week going and watching games and traveling around because we thought we'd be playing in finals. But also for a couple of my really close friends, that was their last game for Australia. And we didn't, we really didn't give them the send off or the respect that they deserved because we're all caught up in our own disappointment. Um, so that's certainly something I, I do regret a little bit. Um, but the Olympics as a whole, you know, an incredible experience. And I guess it's taught me that I'd like to have another go at it for sure. Yeah, very soon, hopefully. Hopefully next year we'll see. Um, I hope so. As we said before, <laughs> last year you were awarded goalkeeper of the year uh, by the International Hockey Federation, well, for last season. Uh, and what an achievement. You'd been nominated three times for this award. Were you expecting it? Uh, no, I definitely wasn't. I think um, the last two nominations um, proved to me that, <laughs> unfortunately, the way the system works, it's a bit more of a, popularity contest rather than your performance uh which you know it is what it is it's there's voting involved and we just can't compete with the bigger nations over in europe and the uk because they have such a big following so as soon as anyone gets nominated they've got their whole hockey community behind them um and you know i'm very grateful for the support of the australian hockey community but it's much smaller so uh those two times maddie hinch was the one that won it and um, you know, she's got a, a Red Bull sponsorship and she's on a million Red Bull cans. So it's, um, it's pretty tough to compete. But this time, you know, I felt comf comfortable that I'd had a good year, but yeah, didn't sort of have any hopes of winning the award. So it was a huge, huge shock and a, and a bit of a surprise, but something that, you know, an individual accolade like that, we don't get in a team sport. So I'm, I'm very proud of it. Yeah, no, that really goes to show how, how much you deserved it then if, if the voting system is like that. Um, Rach, you do a lot outside of hockey, which we will get into all of it, but we'll start with nursing. Um, you made the news earlier this year when you went back to full-time work the day after it was announced that the hockey ruse would not be going to the Olympics. Was that a no-brainer for you? Uh, it was, yeah, it really was. I was, was actually really looking forward to it and I guess grateful for that opportunity when hockey stopped because with everything going on in the world, that's where I felt like I needed to be. Yeah, 100%. Um, you've worked as a nurse throughout most of your elite hockey career, uh, and you have said in past interviews that your worst, and what you mentioned earlier, was that your worst hockey performances have been when you weren't working another job. I find that really interesting because, I mean, at least from what I've seen, it is assumed that most athletes would only work other jobs out of necessity to supplement their sporting income, but I guess that's from quite an outsider's perspective. For you, how important is it for you to have roles and responsibilities outside of hockey, not just in nursing, but you know, in all the other things that you do as well? Well, I think um, COVID's proven how key that is. Um, I think the athletes that have really thrived during this time, um, thrived probably is not the right word, but I, I guess survived well, has been, have been the ones that have had other things because your sport got taken away. So you just slot into your other life. And, um, you know, in Australia, you, you can see how poorly it was handled from the AFL um, because, you know, all of a sudden they lost the footy. They didn't have footy. Uh, they lost a lot of their pay and these guys had no idea what to do. Um, so whereas Olympic athletes, it's like, right, just back into uni, back to work, whatever, we'll carry on and then we'll train when we can. Uh, and, I, and it's something I've been really, really passionate about for many years. It's um, caused a little bit of conflict with coaches along the way because sometimes they've questioned my commitment um, because I'm not, you know, headfirst into the hockey all the time. 
but I, I I've learned and I've hopefully proven that having the other aspects of your life actually make you a better athlete, a bit more well-rounded. Um, and as I said, the perspective I get from my nursing and my other, other jobs and other work helps me to play better. And yeah, you're busy. And I've gone on quite a journey around that. Even now I'm, you know, working 50 hours a week and, and still training, um, training for the Olympics. So that's a new challenge, but I, um, I just think that when you're, when you're at hockey, you give your full self, you, you feel happier there, more content. Um, you know, I don't have to stress about finan- my financial situation. Um, I've got other outlets, I've got other networks, other friends, and it, it just, I think it, it really makes you a more well-rounded person. And, um, you know, I, I try and share that with the younger girls in our team because I believe it, it's really, really key that they have other things because, you know, I've been doing it for 14 years. If I hadn't been working, I'd be now 34 with an empty resume like what what do you do and it, and an empty bank account <laughs> so it makes it pretty tough <laughs> exactly yeah so as we were saying COVID has definitely had a significant impact on your training environment um, especially because you guys are based in Perth and I think a majority of the hockey routes are from other states um, so right. they've had to go a lot of them have had to go home and train in their home inst- with their home institutes what does the training plan look like for the hockey roos in the lead up to Tokyo 2021? Uh, it's a little bit different. We've obviously had to change a lot as I think every sport and well, every person has had to. We've moved away from training during the day. We now train outside of work hours. Uh, <clears throat> there was a small collection of us that stayed in Perth. So we all had 24 hours notice the day that it um, was announced that you either had to stay or go. Um, you know, the irony of that, that was back in March. No one knew that they'd still be in that situation. But um, yeah, as you said, majority of our groups from the East Coast, we've only got two West Australians. So most went over East. A few of us stayed. We've sort of trained a bit along the way. And then now they've tried to get everyone back because, yeah, we're lucky here in Perth. Um, the club competitions continued. So that gives us an opportunity to play games because we won't have any um, international games, obviously, I think, until April next year at this stage. So the games are key for us. And um, yeah, we're training together as a group, those that are here. There's some over east that have either chosen or are forced to stay there. And, you know, they'll make their way back when the borders open. But um, yeah, we're trying to, I guess, keep it as normal as possible with the training. But now everyone's working and studying it. Um, Yeah, it just adds another element to it. Yeah, definitely. So in a recent ABC article, Sam Walker, who is a sports journalist, listed the best teams in history. And the hockey brews were actually named um, from 1993 to 2000 when they were most dom- um, when they were really successful. Um, and they were named amongst other teams, including the All Blacks, the United States women's football team and FC Barcelona. It was interesting to note that the main characteristic that made the team so great was their leader. Um, and the leader wasn't necessarily the best player or the most charismatic. It was someone who was willing to do whatever it took to help the team win, whether they got the credit for it or not. I'm interested to know what you think are the key ingredients to a successful team. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I read that article and, and I would um, agree. I think you need to have um, probably a few people like that. I think in our sport, it's not just about your, your key captain or the uh, ones in the key leadership roles. If you look back at the 2000 era, they had some incredible players um, and some pretty key personalities in there. And I, and I believe, um, obviously I wasn't there, but from what I've heard, they drove an incredibly um, intense training environment and um, a high standard. So that's sort of why they won. But they also had 
some very talented people in, in that era. Um, you know, if I look back on some of our leaders, someone like Madonna Blythe, who I played a majority of my career with, incredible leader, exactly as, as you described and as the article said, just someone that didn't need any credit. Um, you know, she was, she was a very, very good player but just a workhorse in the middle for us, you know, did what she needed to do, got the job done. And um, she was someone that I admired because, you know, when she spoke, people really listened, but she's not someone that was, you know, always sort of outspoken or anything like that. So I think the leadership is really key, but you need to have a really competitive environment as well. And, and a, a vast majority of the group that are going to push each other and do the right thing, um, you know, have a high level of professionalism and discipline, but also the competitiveness. And we've got a couple of girls at the moment that are very good at that. And I guess it's something that I try and drive as well, but um, it's got to be there. Otherwise it's, it's going to be tough to perform at the, at the top level. Yeah. Rach, you've been an ambassador for suicide prevention charity. Are you okay? For around eight years, I think. Um, you've hiked the Kokoda Trail with Are You OK and friend of the show, Ash Nelson, raising over $30,000 for charity. You've also done a bike ride from Perth to Albany. Um, and you've talked a lot about the importance of mental health um, in terms of athletes and also um, in terms of isolation, um, also through your work with um, mining companies, as well as being an athlete living over in Perth. What is so important about Are You OK's message for you? Uh, like all of it, I think um, the, the thing I like the most is that it's a really simple message and it's about prevention and something that's applicable to anyone. It doesn't matter, you know, what age, what you do, what profession, what industry. Um, Are You Okay is just about getting people to talk to each other and connect and have conversations, listening, just really simple things that, again, COVID has highlighted um, for all of us that building relationships, checking in on each other, you know, not just one catch up and how you're going. It's like that real deeper, I guess, authentic connection of um, caring for each other and wanting to know what's, what's happening for that person and supporting each other through it, really listening. Um, in the hockey roos, we've, we've implemented a lot of things, myself and Ash Nelson, when she was in the team, trying to, I guess, look after the well-being of ourselves and each other knowing that we live over here in Perth away from our families and our supports and sport is, is, is challenging like any other, um, I guess anything that anyone does, but when you have to do go through that without your family and your supports, it's really hard. So same for COVID. Um, you know, I guess I try and practice what I preach and regularly check in on, on my friends and my family, but also the, the self care, um, and, and that's part of why I do my work and all the other things is about having balance because that's what makes me happy. And if I'm happy and, and healthy, I can, you know, assist people around me as well. So um, I love what Are You OK Share. They're, they've just released another campaign around sport and it's, it's creating a culture where people are just really looking out for each other. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now, Rach, we have one last question. Um, so you've played for 14 years professionally in the Hockey Roos. Um, in other interviews, you have hinted that you are towards the end of your career but, you know, we've got Tokyo 2021 still coming up. You've still got that Olympic medal to, to chase. What do you know? Do you have an idea of what the future of your hockey career, career is? Or are you still a bit unsure? Uh, this, yeah, COVID's really given me the time to reflect and, and have a think about that. Um, I was very relieved when the Olympics was postponed and not cancelled. Um, I think that would have been a pretty 
tough situation because I, I know that I won't be able to push on for another four years to another Olympics. Um, and I guess the main drivers for me, you know, I have to think about that. Why am I still here? Why am I still doing this? Firstly, I feel like I can still improve. Um, so that's a big motivator for me. If I was plateauing or going backwards, I wouldn't be here. Um, but secondly, after Rio, I decided to stay on because I wanted to, I guess, leave a bit more of a legacy with the group around the, the work-life balance, um, trying to share with the, the, next, the next crop of athletes that how important it is to do other things. You know, we, we tried to implement a, a volunteer program. You know, I, t- I often take the girls down to the hospital to, to do some volunteer work, you know, keep adding to your resume, but also keep contributing to the community and all things that are, um, I'm really passionate about and wanted to try and, I guess, have as part of the hockey ruse so that, you know, when I walk away, I can be really proud of that, knowing that um, we're going to have some, some really well-rounded girls and hopefully a successful team as well. Um, and yeah, I guess having this sort of break, if you like, through COVID, uh, yeah, it's made me think, you know, maybe I can push on for a little bit. As a female, I think having kids is probably one of the, the strong factors into, you know, potentially ending your career. And, and that's not on the cards for me right now. So while those other two things continue, um, I, I, I'd be keen to keep playing, but you never know. Sometimes it's out of your hands as well. And we'll all have to reassess once the Olympics either happens or, or doesn't. And yeah, I guess go from there. Thank you so much for coming on and talking to us, Rach. It was really interesting to talk and get, a, get your perspective on what the hockey gurus have been doing during this um, COVID-19 experience. Um, you have such an amazing career and it was really great to listen to you. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. That was such an interesting conversation. Head over to wissports.com to find the show notes. Follow Rachel on Twitter at rachelynch27 and at Rach Lynch on Instagram. Find Wisports um, on at Wisports on all socials. And you can find Women's Sport Australia at Oz Women's Sports on all socials. Or if you prefer email over social media, the um, email is info at wisports.com. Thanks for listening to the show. We've spoken to some amazing sportswomen and are so grateful for their time. We'll be back in another two weeks with another fantastic guest. 